Today we're going to start a brand new series um, called Presidents, Prophets, and Kings. Weird title for a series, but it'll all make sense here in a moment. Uh, kind of the subplot uh, of this series is that the answer is not in the White House, the answer is in our house. We know as followers of Jesus, this election is not going to fix the problem, right? Amen? Yeah, we have got to fix it. We are the answer that the world so desperately needs. But most people, including a lot of Christians, are looking to this election, and that's why you get so bent out of shape. That's why you get so angry. If you, and by the way, test yourself on this one. Test yourself. Whenever a candidate says something, you're like, woo, woo, and, and the blood starts pumping. What that means many times is you're thinking you're putting too much hope in that candidate. That candidate is going to wreck everything. That candidate is going to fix everything. No, 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 no. The answer for our world is Jesus. That's why we are here. You can applaud. You can give some praise for that. You can acknowledge that and say, yeah, that's what we're here for. So we're no different, though, than all of human history. In fact, the Israelites, the nation of Israel, looked around, and they were in the promised land, and they saw that all the other nations around them, they had a king, but they didn't have a king. And they're like, we want a king. And God said, I'm your king. And he's like, ah, it's not good enough. We need a king, somebody to rule us, somebody we can see, somebody that can make laws, and somebody who can help us. And God's like, let me be your king. And they're like, no. And so finally, God relented. He didn't want them to have a king, but he gave them a king. Didn't go so well for them. In fact, uh, there's really basically only a couple of good kings, one of them being Josiah, one of them being David, and, and a few others, Jehoshaphat, some other kings that were okay. But most of them, if you read the stories in the Old Testament, it tells us the king's name, and then it says this, they did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And the next king came along, they did evil in the eyes of the Lord. Next king came along, they did evil in the eyes of the Lord. In fact, you go about seven generations, and they haven't figured it out, and now they've got King Ahab. He's like the worst of the worst, okay? Just imagine the candidate you're not voting for and just that's who it is okay that's a joke relax it's okay <laughs> oh I know that's what they are they're just evil in the eyes of the Lord I can't believe anybody vote for them but uh, and so they've got this King Ahab and King Ahab like all these kings before them they're in the promised land they're supposed to be worshiping God but instead they have built these idols they built these altars these shrines and even temples to other gods because they allowed these foreign nations to remain in their nation and got influenced by them. And so they built all these. And then there was no worship to Yahweh, to Jehovah, to the God that we know today. And so, but in every generation, not only was there a bad king, but God raised up a prophet in every generation. And, and I believe that God is raising up prophets in this generation. Turn to somebody and say, you are that prophet. You are that prophet. You're like, wait a second. Whoa, I ain't no prophet. You are a prophet in this generation. I'm going to show you over the next few weeks how you are a prophet in your workplace. You're a prophet in your home, first and foremost. You're a prophet in this church. You're a prophet on your campus. You're a prophet on your ball team. You're a prophet in this generation that God wants to use. And so the, the prophet he raises up here is this guy named Elijah. And so Elijah comes along, and, and he stands up, and this is what God is calling us to do. He's calling us back to himself. And so for the next four weeks, we're going to look at one simple story. Some of you know it. It's in 1 Kings chapter 18. So if you've got a Bible, go there now, 1 Kings 18. If you don't have a Bible and you're brand new to church, uh, download version. Great app. And I read out of the New Living Translation. So we're going, we're going way back in the Old Testament before Jesus. 
And, and so there's this King Ahab and this prophet Elijah who's been raised up. And a pretty famous story. If you've been raised in church, I'm sure you've heard this story before. We're going to look at this story for the next four weeks because I believe there are four things that God wants to pull out of this that he wants to call us back to that is going to bring about the change that we want to see. Laws are good and elections are good, but God is interested in more than just laws and elections. He is interested, and I want to talk to you these next few weeks about four specific things. So 1 Kings chapter 18 so again, they're not worshiping God. God raises up Elijah. It's gotten so bad that God has sent a drought on the land. It hasn't rained for three years. And, and Elijah then finally, he says, you know what? I'm going to have a showdown with the prophets of Baal. Baal is the false god that they are worshiping. And he says, meet me on Mount Carmel. So there's six, over 600 prophets that meet him there on Mount Carmel, and, and it's Elijah. Okay, So it's like hundreds of prophets of Baal and Elijah standing by himself. Anybody ever feel that way in this world? Come on, somebody. Amen? You feel alone? Okay, well, you can relate to Elijah. So Elijah says, you guys go first. So they build their altar. They put the wood on it. They, and they call down fire from heaven. They have a bull that they, they're sacrificing. And they're calling down fire, and fire is not coming. Fire is not coming, and fire is not coming. Elijah says, maybe you need to yell louder. So they yell louder. And he says, maybe you ought to do some other things. And so they cut themselves, and they're doing everything. They're crying out to Baal. Nothing happens. And I love this because Elijah, he starts mocking them. This is my kind of prophet, my kind of preacher, sarcastic and mocking them. He starts mocking them. He says, hey, maybe he's going to the bathroom. It says it in the Bible. I love that. Potty talk. That is my kind of prophet. And nothing happens. And then it's Elijah's turn. And we read this in verse 30. Then Elijah called to the people, come over here. They all crowded around him as he repaired the altar of the Lord that had been torn down. He took 12 stones, one to represent each of the tribes of Israel. And he used the stones to rebuild the altar in the name of the Lord. Then he dug a, a trench around the altar large enough to hold about three gallons. He is not popular at this point because there is a water shortage. He piled wood on the altar, cut the bull into pieces, laid the pieces on the wood. And then he said, fill four large jars with water and pour the water over the offering and the wood. Again, not real popular. After they did this, he said, oh, guess, do it again. They did it again. He said, do it a third time. So the water ran around the altar and even filled the trench. At the usual time for offering, this, by the way, that's the, uh, the writer of this kind of throwing a little sarcasm in there because they're not worshiping God. At the usual time, when they're supposed to be worshiping for offering the evening sacrifice, Elijah the prophet walked up to the altar and he prayed, O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, prove today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant. Prove that I have done all this at your command. O Lord, answer me. Answer me so these people will know that you, O Lord, are God and that you have brought them back to yourself. Come on, this is, some of you don't have a prayer life. Some of you don't know how to pray. I can tell you right now, what do we got here, like three sentences? Three sentences. The, the, the other prophets, they're praying all day long, crying out to God. We can learn, by the way, just in this moment. That's just a simple truth. I haven't even started preaching yet. That's a simple truth for you right now is that if you think if I just pray louder, you think if, if I just cry out to God, if, I, if I, somehow I bring myself to weeping, if somehow I deny myself, you know what, I'm, gonna, I'm participating in the Friday fast because if I fast, then God's going to do it. 
you are associating yourself more with the Baal God than the Jehovah God. Be weary of that. Now, I'm not saying don't fast. I'm not saying don't cry out to God. I'm not saying don't pray for hours and extended periods of time. Of course you need to do that, but you got to check your gauge. Why am I doing this? Because you can pray a simple prayer to God and fire can fall. Do you believe that? You can pray a simple prayer and God sees you, he hears you. Elijah's nobody special. He's a man after God's heart. It says, immediately the fire of the Lord fell, fell down and flashed down from heaven and it burned up the young bull, the wood, the stones, and the dust. It even licked up all the water in the trench. God was thirsty. And when all the people saw it, they fell face down on the ground and they cried out, the Lord, he is God. Yes, the Lord is God. Today, I'm going to talk about this word worship. Worship, and the title of my message today is Worshiping in a Distracted World. Worshiping in a Distracted World. Father, thanks for the moments that we have together here in this house. Thank you for those who are gathering here, God. We pray for your presence and your power to be manifest in this moment. You speak to all of us through your spirit in Jesus' name. And everybody through your mass said, amen. amen. All right, now you can sit down with the rest of them, okay? Some of you took a seat early, and that's okay. I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that. Well, we all have things that we are uh, passionate about, do we not? And it's, it's not hard to see what people are passionate about. For example, let me throw out some dates, and I'll see who's passionate. October 23rd. Some of you all know, iPhone 12 coming out. That's right, iPhone 12. I got it marked on my calendar. I have sold a kidney. I have taken out a second mortgage. I am getting me an iPhone 12. I'm so excited. Some of you young people are like, my mom ain't going to buy me no iPhone 12. That is a bad day on my calendar. It's a dark day on my calendar. October 30th. Got it. Mandalorian coming out. Season 2, baby. Little Yoda. We're going to find out what happens with Little Yoda. Season 2 of Mandalorian. I don't, I don't even know. I, I, I was calling Mandolin for the longest time. I'm not even close. I was like, what's it called? My son's like, it's Mandalorian, Dad. I'm like, I'm sorry. I just, I'm not a huge Star Wars type guy. November 3rd. Okay, nobody's passionate about that day. <laughs> like, who's passionate about that day? Some people are, though, are they not? Like, I am, you guys know I'm not political, but I am loving the Trump supporters. Man, they are vocal. They are passionate. Like, they got their truck. They, they got a, a flag in the back of it. They got it waving. The flag is a, like a sail. It's bigger than the truck, causing it to go all over the road. But they're going to let everybody know who they're voting for. Biden supporters, you never see them with a Biden flag on their Prius. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's why I like Elijah. This is what I like about Elijah. Oh, man, some of you right now are like, listen, I'm voting for Trump, and I don't drive a truck. I drive a Prius. Some of you are like, I'm, I'm voting for Biden, and I have a truck. I don't understand this church. What's going on? By the way, I just want to mention it in all seriousness. Let me step off for just a second. I think it's interesting, and I want to be careful here, and I, I want to help us as, as the people of God. Whenever I mention a political candidate, if you're going for that political candidate, would you do, do me a favor? You don't hoop and holler. Because there's somebody in the house that's voting for somebody else, and it's okay. 
It's okay. And I, what I don't want is division in the house. We have enough division in our world. And I don't really care if you're voting for Donald Trump. And I don't care if you're voting for Biden. And you have no idea who I'm voting for or if I'm even voting. And I'm not going to let that cat out of the bag because I'm not all caught up in an election. I think it's important who we vote for. And it's a trying and challenging time. But I'm telling you, just, can we just be careful and help one another? And just don't assume, well, I guess you're, you're this and you're that, so you're voting for this candidate. Travel to any state in the United States, and you'll see Christians that sit in pockets that, are, that assume every Christian votes for this candidate. It's crazy to watch it. But I think we just got to be careful over the next few weeks and not get too caught up in it. But there's these dates. We all get passionate about dates. And uh, some of us get passionate about a date. Come on, single people in the house. Yes, him, her. Oh, ha, yes, I, Woo, I'm so excited for them. We were in Colorado, Laura and I, as I said, last, last week, and we were in Golden, Colorado, and uh, we were walking by this park, and this young couple, probably college age, walking into the park like this, and you could just tell they were so on a date, not married, not brother and sister, and they're just like this. She had on her uh, wolf jeans, that's, that's what I call them, they're the ones that have been completely shredded by a pack of wolves, you know, <laughs> So I was like, she got it going on. He had on a button-down shirt just like I'm wearing right now. And I was like, no guy wears a button-down shirt to the park ever unless he's on a date. And they were both carrying pumpkins. They were going to carve pumpkins in the park. We're all passionate about something, aren't we? I mean, we have these things that we're passionate about. Let me ask you this. How is your passion for Jesus today? How is your passion for Jesus. Some of you, it's red hot. Some of you are so excited. You're amped up. You're ready to go. You're, you're, th- man, you're just like, man, the, the fire is on me. I'm experiencing the presence of God. When I read his word, it just leaps off the pages. I'm experiencing his peace when I shouldn't. feels like I shouldn't be experiencing his peace, but in the midst of chaos and confusion, I'm laser focused. God is speaking to me. It's amazing what's happening right now. My passion is just so alive. For some of you, if you're honest, you're like, that ain't me. I, I kind of lost my passion. I, I, I used to have that fire. I, I used to be excited. I used to, the word would come alive to me. Being in the house was exciting. And I, 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 I'm not having much peace right now And what's happening in our world. God feels distant. I, I wonder sometimes if, if he's there. Can, can I help you if that's you? I want to help you right now. We have all been there. Turn to somebody next to you and just tell them, I've been there. I've been there. You might even want to say, I am there. <laughs> I am there. We've all been there. We've all had these seasons and these times where our passion dries up. So how do you get your passion back? Or, or if maybe you are passionate, here's a big one, I think, is how do you keep your passion? How do you keep from losing your passion? Write this down. This is where we're going to go for the next few minutes. Worship. Worship restores the wonder and awe of God. Worship restores the wonder and the awe of God. Israel had lost their passion. They had stopped worshiping Jehovah, Yahweh. Elijah, passionate for God, continuing to worship God. And he's trying desperately to reestablish and bring worship back to the children of Israel. And he says this in verse 30. It says, then Elijah called to the people. Say this with me. What? Come over here. 
Come over here. Now, when Elijah says this, says this, he's not calling them to the altar. He's actually calling them back to God. He's saying, come back to God. And this is kind of crazy because the children of Israel, again, God had led them out of 400 years of bondage into this beautiful promised land flowing with milk and honey. It was lovely. It was wonderful. It was the lifestyle of the rich and famous. It was amazing. Anybody remember Robin Leach? I don't know. I just had a Robin Leach moment there. I don't know. Sorry, I'm really old. I just shouldn't have put that out there. But I mean, it was beautiful. It was amazing. And now all of a sudden, what's going on here? They got distracted. The, the, the foreigners among them said, come over here. And so they started building shrines and altars and, 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 and idols to, to other gods. And, and they pushed God to the side. We think, man, how could they get distracted? How, this, is, this is the God who led them to the promised land. Come on now. I think we are all susceptible, are we not? We all get distracted at times. It's, it's easy to get distracted because the world is constantly saying, come over here. Come over here. I mean, just take your phone, for instance. See, if you take out your phone, if you open it up, every news outlet, every news organization has this headline. Donald Trump did this. Donald Trump's on the balcony without a mask. Joe Biden did this in his past. And then the, the big headline that they have, the, the coronavirus is going to kill the world. You know, the coronavirus is fake. I mean, just headline after headline, and you're like, I got to read that. I got to read that. You know what's so funny? So many times we don't even read it. We just, we just believe it. We're like, God, did you hear about? And you're like, did you read the article? Because it wasn't even close. You, you ever do that? Like you, they draw you in. There's like, come over here. And you read the article and you're like, that's not even close to what's going on. But they, they got you. Or maybe it's the clickbait. Anybody fall prey to that? It's down at the bottom or off to the side. They tell you 20 celebrities who've let themselves go. Number six will surprise you. What? <laughs> Got to find number six. Got to get through the ads somehow. Which one? I clicked on the wrong one. And there's just so many distractions in this world. Just the little red dot on your app, huh? Does that drive you crazy? I got to know. What is that number? What's behind that number? What email is that? What's happening on social media? What post did I miss? Scroll, 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 scroll. Come over here. Come over here. And parents, if you have children right now in the middle of a pandemic, they're still saying, come over here. Come over here. You got to get your kids signed up for this. Your kid's not involved in this right now. You are not a good parent. You are not American. You call yourself. You need to be involved. Come over here. And, and constantly over and over again, we're being distracted and we're being called upon by the world. So I want to ask you this. What is it that's distracting you right now? What is it that gets you? I want you just to share that with somebody that you're sitting near. What is it right now in your life that is a distraction that's saying, come over here, and it gets you? Share that. So John was a disciple of Jesus. 
Uh, many of them call him the beloved, that he was Jesus' closest friend. You want to talk about somebody who's passionately devoted to, to Jesus. I mean, this is a guy that at the final meal, the Last Supper, he said, I'm going to sit right next to Jesus at the Last Supper. I'm going to be as close to him as I can. When Jesus was raised from the dead, it says that John didn't just wait to see Jesus come to him. It didn't say he walked to the tomb. It says John ran to the tomb. John was just passionate about Jesus. And he wrote in one of his letters, he said this, do not, do not love this world nor the things it offers. Turn to somebody and say to them, don't get distracted. Don't get distracted. Verse 17, he says, this world is what? Say it with me. Fading away. It's fading away along with everything that people crave. In, in other words, it's all cotton candy. The second it hits your taste buds, it's gone. And the only thing it does is creates a craving for more. It's gone. It's fading away. And I think what Jesus is saying to his church, not to the world, but a message that he has for us here at Core Church today is this. Come over here. Man, I desire your passion. I want to be your passion. I, I, I want your devotion. Can't you see how much that I, I love you? Come over here. Come back to me. Back in the story in 1 Kings, Elijah says this in the second part of verse 30. It says this about the, the, the scene. They, they all crowded around him as he did what? Say it with me. Repaired the altar of the Lord that had been tore down. So not only are they worshiping other gods, not only have they built shrines and temples and idols, but they had tore down the places of worship to Yahweh, to Jehovah, the one who led them into the land. They tore down the altars to God. So people, get the picture, people are just walking by and like, Nobody's noticing. Like, anybody notice that something's not right here? And, and it's been so long, nobody even notices anymore. I was at the doctor a couple of weeks ago, and they took me to the exam room. And when they opened up the door to the exam room, the light was just flickering like this, just flickering on and off and on and off. And the nurse's assistant said, I'm, I'm sorry, um, it's our only room that's open, and it's been like this for over a week, and we can't seem to get it fixed. And I'm like, I got to go in there? <laughs> So they sent me into the room, and I went into the room, and I sat down at the table, and it's flickering like this. And it was like a 90s nightclub, you know? Baby, hit me one more time. I mean, it's just like, I was like, ah, ah, ah. You know what's crazy? After about 15 minutes of sitting there, because, um, you know, doctors come in very quickly. I love you, Dr. Mike. I do. You're my, you're, you're my man. You're my man. But I, I was sitting there, and, and I didn't even notice it anymore. I just, I didn't notice it. I, I didn't notice what was happening. This is what happens to the Israelites. The Israelites, seven generations of kings doing evil in the eyes of the Lord, and they no longer noticed that God had been slowly pushed to the margins, and nobody was noticing or paying attention anymore. I fear that God is being pushed to the margins. Not in our world, not in our culture, but in the church. It's just become a, a, a great fear of mine, and I just sense nobody's noticing. 
All these idols and these shrines and these temples and these, I, we, I would never do that. But all these things that we are worshiping, all these things that have become so much more important to us than God. I, I, I don't think that the world is the issue. I, I really think the issue right now is the church. And I think what God is looking for is Elijah's. He's looking for men and women who will repair the altar of the Lord. He's looking for men and women who will stand up on their feet and say, I, I will worship the Lord. He will be my passion. I will return to him. As I said already, the answer is not in the White House. The answer is in my house. So how do you repair the altar? How, how do I get my passion back? How, how do I make Christ the center of my life? Look at verse 31, Elijah gives us a little help here. It says, he took 12 stones, one to represent each of the tribes of Israel. And he used what? Say it with me. He used what? The stones. He used the stones to rebuild the altar in the name of the Lord. Get, get this. Elijah is trying to show them that they are the altar. He's not just building an altar, but they are the altar. Their lives were to be an act of worship. Now, let, let's fast forward because Peter, who was the apostle and, and disciple of Jesus and the leader of the early church, he said it this way. He said, you, turn to somebody and tell them, you, he's talking about you right now. You, you are living stones that God is building into what? Say it with me. His spiritual temple. In other words, my life is an altar. My life is an act and an altar of worship. Every word that I speak, every thought that I have, every action that I do, every post that I make, it is all an act of worship. And I really believe in the church we've got to rebuild the altar of worship. So how do we do that? I want to give you two practical things that you can do. Write these down. Number one, daily worship. Daily worship. It's not just about what we're doing right now. Hey, I, I gave my hour. I'm good. I came into the house and I worshiped the Lord. I'm good. Now I'm going to go back to my life. No, no, no. God is to be a part and immersed in every part of who you are. Every action, every thought, every, every word spoken, everything that you do, everything that you watch, everything that you put your hand to. It is an act of worship to something or someone. And God says, will you worship me? And I want to tell you, I think the best way to keep that front and center in your life and to keep from getting distracted and to keep from drifting is to make the scriptures the first part of your day. I mean to say, I'm going to find myself in the scriptures. This is not about duty. This is not a field manual for your life. So many times we're treating this like an owner's manual. Yes, it has instruction for your life, but this is a love letter from God Almighty to you and to me. It's a way that he says, I want to interact with you. What God wants to do each and every day for you is he says, listen, I want to help you to see the idols you're building. I want to help you to see the things that are taking place in your life. I want to help you to tear down the, the idols in the shrines and build the altar of worship to me. I don't have a lot of time, but I'm going to say this real quick. Josiah was one of those kings. Josiah, he suddenly found the scriptures. They had been completely neglected. They had completely lost them, and so it was wheels off in Israel. And when Josiah saw the scriptures and he saw what was going on, he suddenly looked up and he went, we're not supposed to be doing that. If you're not in the word of God, you will drift. 
can mark that down. I, I speak truth and the truth of God from this platform more than I know, but I can guarantee you 100% if you are not in the scriptures, you will drift. You won't even know the idols you're setting up. You won't even recognize them. You'll be worshiping something that you were never intended to worship. You'll be doing things God never wanted you to do, but you don't recognize and realize you're supposed to be doing that. So we need, we need to daily worship. Here's number two, have a day of worship. Have a day of worship. Can I just commend you right now? Fist bump somebody around you, elbow bump, and whatever you feel like doing, give them a big hug and say, way to go, you're in the house of God. Way to go. You're doing the right thing. Whether you do it online or whether you're doing it in the house, this is the right place to be because you are around God's people. But let me tell you what I think this day is about. And I am so passionate about the word of God and I am passionate about the house of God. If you've been coming for any amount of time, you know I just beat this thing into submission. But I just do not care because I love being with God's people because this is what this day is. This day is a day of declaration. That's what this is. You are declaring to your family, well, let me say it this way, you are declaring first and foremost to yourself, I will worship God. Nothing else comes in the place of God. There will be no other desire that could ever possibly come before God. I'm going to stop one day out of the week, and I'm going to make it about Jesus, and I'm going to set everything else aside, because I ain't worshiping that, I ain't worshiping that, and I ain't going to that, because I want to declare in my life, God, you are center. You are my God, and I will follow you. But you're also making that declaration in your home. You're making that declaration to your spouse. You're making that declaration to your children. You're saying to them, this is what matters most. And when you say, I'm not going to be in the house of God. I'm going to go do something else. You're saying in that moment, this is more important. Oh, now I am stepping on it up in here. Oh, Brad, you're just being legalistic. You're just being religious and that's all just God. No, 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 don't misunderstand. Don't miss what I'm trying to say here. Last week, man, I sat in an Airbnb. Churches in Colorado all shut down. So let's get online. Before we go do anything today, let's get online. And let's worship together. Laura and I, we worship together. We sat in this little Airbnb, and we had a little table, a little uh, TV tray, and we had our iPhone up on the, on the tray with our little speaker and watching the service. And then, then we, did this, we did the discussion at the end together, and and then we took, we took communion together, and it wasn't ideal. It wasn't like this. It wasn't what I really, truly desire and want, but I was like, I am going to, I'm going to work. It's a day of declaration. Can I, can I tell you this? So many times we, we get caught up in the fourth commandment, and we forget about the first commandment. The fourth commandment. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Oh, hallelujah. Now he's preaching. I'm glad he's talking about the Ten Commandments. Ah, it's about time in the house of God we brought back the Ten Commandments. Okay, don't get too caught up in that because we are free from the law. But God did not come, Jesus did not come to abolish the law. He came to fulfill the law. Let's remember that. And the Sabbath day, he said, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy, wasn't just a law. It was actually something that was established way back at creation. It was part of the law of Moses. And then Jesus comes on the scene and he's still worshiping on the, on the Sabbath. 
And we can get so caught up in that and we become very legalistic about it. But I want to put you back on commandment one. How will we just start there? Commandment one. Anybody? 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 Commandment number one. Do not have any other gods before me. That's all you need. You just take the other nine, just take them off the plate. If I don't have any other gods before me and God is the only one, everything's going to be okay for me. And when you, when, you, when you worship, what you're saying is no other gods. They're all false. It's all propaganda. It's all a distraction. But God Almighty will get my worship. So when we were in Colorado, um, <laughs> I mean, come on, we're all from Oklahoma. And, and any chance we get to go to the mountains or the beach, come on, we're all like, whoop, whoop. Are we not? It's like, yes. And so I had, I had deliberately mapped out. I'm not a detailed person, but I was like, Laura, we got to maximize our time in Colorado. And so I had all these different hiking trails and these different things we could go do. And, and so every day we were walking by this park in Golden. And, and I'd look at that park and I was like, man, waste of your time. Because I was like, I'm on to the trails. And so we're going hiking. So we were going up in the mountains to go hiking. And then one day I was like, we're going to go walk by this creek, beautiful creek that they had. Another day we're going to walk downtown. Another time, we're going to go to Breckenridge. Another day, we're going to go here and all this. And, and I had all these plans. And Because you're Colorado. It's the mountains. Come on. It's amazing. I'm like, I'm not going to waste a moment. What's so funny, though, is how many of you go on vacation and you come back more exhausted than before you went on vacation? So one day, we said, you know, let's just go to, let's just go to that park. And so we went and we sat in this park. Oh, my goodness. Got a blanket out. I had my little uh, my little boom speaker. Had my music playing. Little good '70s jam going on. You know, just beautiful park music. It was a Saturday, so you know what I played? Saturday in the park. I think it was the Fourth of October. I mean, it's just a. I was playing it. We were eating cheese and crackers. I'm telling you, the whole thing, it was just, in, in the, and at one point, I just said, I just leaned back. And the Colorado sun just hit my face. And I was like, oh, my goodness. And then that gentle mountain breeze, some of you all want to go right now, don't you? Starts just, that was my favorite moment of everything that we did the whole time we were there. That was my favorite moment, was just sitting in that park. This week, the world is going to be coming at you and saying, come over here. Come over here. There's going to be a lot of things you can do. You can go here. You can go there. You can give your time to this. Give your time to that. And the truth is, so many of you right now, you're tired. You're worn down. Your passion is is gone. And I believe what Jesus is saying right now is, (laughs) come over here. Because when you come over to Jesus and you begin to worship him, you feel the warmth of the Son of God on your face. And you feel the gentle breeze of his spirit renewing you. That's what worship is. Man, worship is all about restoring the wonder and the awe of God. 